Today is Wednesday, October 19th, 2022. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I am Dan Andros. Polls show what Americans think of President Biden's performance so far could be bad news for Democrats come November. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast. We're bringing you news from a Christian perspective. Joining me, as always, to get through the news of the cray, as we call it, Trey Gomes Phillips, Billy Hallowell from CBN's Faithwire. Guys, hump day. What's going on? How are you? Gosh, this week is, is just flying by. Right. But I'm glad we have this party together every morning. You know? Yes. It's a, nice, it's a nice time to come together. Indeed. And we are glad to have all of you with us on this fine morning, this fine day that the Lord has made. Air in your lungs. What could be better? Let's get to it. So a few things coming up today, guys. Um, we are going to be talking about a Michigan uh, the lawmakers there are pushing a bill to address trans surgeries for kids. We'll dive into that. Uh, also on the main thing, Trey talked to uh, NCIS star Lucas Black, and he had some tough words about Hollywood and their agenda against Christians. That's on the main thing. Uh, but first, we're going to head through the news here in 90 seconds. Few leaders have made their mark on the modern state of Israel, like former Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, there are a wide range of opinions on the man, and now he's decided to tell his own side of the story in a new memoir titled BB My Story. Netanyahu spoke with CBN's Gordon Robertson on the 700 Club. You can find a link to that conversation in the description of this podcast episode. And a New York Times Siena poll shows some eye opening results for President Biden's job performance just weeks ahead of a crucial midterm election. Only 39% approve of Biden's job performance, while 58% disapprove. And most of that disapproval of the president has to do with the current inflation decimating family budgets. Democrats have focused intensely on abortion, yet only 5% of voters list abortion as the biggest problem facing the country. Clearly, the struggling economy, sinking 401ks, and high prices on just about everything are are what's most troubling Americans. And should Christians avoid Halloween? That's a question that comes up every year as people of faith grapple with the holiday that's known for ghosts and ghouls and uh, the elevation of all kinds of various evil. You can read Billy's story on that over at faithwire.com. And guys, I mean, obviously Halloween's coming up. we got to grapple with that. Billy, you've got an article there. Um but I wanted to zero in real quick on these numbers, this polling. It's very interesting to me that Democrats have really put all of their eggs in the Roe issue, the Dobbs ruling. And it seems like Americans just don't care enough. Well, you know, it's one thing if you were if you were having the election directly afterward, I think yeah. people were fired up in the beginning. I think it's waned and people are figuring out they're understanding it better. But when there are no other eggs in the basket and you only have one rotten one left and your choice is between not eating or eating the rotten egg, <laughs> you're going to have to eat the rotten egg if you're desperate. So I think that's what's happening right now is there's really nothing else to campaign on, especially from a national level. So. Here it is. This is what they're doing. And I think, too, you know, everybody has an opinion about abortion, right? We all, as believers, whether we've had an experience with it or not, we have a, an opinion about what Scripture says about it and all that. But I think it's kind of abstract when you compare it to uh, the economy, because abortion is not something that is directly impacting every single person every single day right. all the time. But the economy 
is something that's impacting us. So I think uh, for Democrats, the blow that they were hoping Roe would be, uh, like Billy said, is much more short-lived. It did not have a long shelf life in comparison to how bad the economy is overall for everybody. Yeah, and the messaging seems to come across as just sort of out of touch when you see President Biden getting asked by reporters and he's just sort of the optics of it. He's eating ice cream and he's sitting there, you know, basically like having his own cake, almost literally, while Americans are suffering and just saying, ah, eh, no, it's, yeah, look, it's the rest of the world is even worse off right now. We have the, we have the least worst of the inflation. Like that's the, that's the spin on it. And I think most Americans that are having to fill their gas tanks up, having to buy groceries. I mean, how, how many of us go around and we buy three or four things and you're like, oh, 50 bucks at the grocery store for a couple of carrots and, and a box of crackers. And you, you spent 30, 40, 50, you're like, what? Like, what yeah. is that? And that is what people are feeling. And it doesn't seem like Democrats, particularly President Biden, are connecting with that. No. And that's what people are going to vote based on always. I mean, this is always the rule. Yeah. I, obviously, what happened with Roe v. Wade and Dobbs was a big deal, but it's super complicated. And those emotional differences aren't going to account for as much as the economy does. If and, I don't states have money, can, and states, yeah, exactly. And states can make their own, you know, for those of you who are on the pro-choice, the pro-abortion side of things, States can still make it legal if they want to. So it's yeah. not it's not like a full ban has been enacted. So right. to try to make that into a bigger issue, it seems like it's it's a big time stretch. To your point, Billy, the economy is what people are feeling. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, when you can go to the grocery store like I did yesterday and there's there's one gallon of milk on the shelf. <laughs> so like I thought the shortages were over, but you know, there, you, you can't get anything and it costs two times what it used to. So even if you do care about these issues and we all do, that's not where you're feeling the pain right now. Yeah. Yeah. No, 100%. And and the price of cars as well. I I mean, I have two older cars and so it's probably I like to try to get as much mileage out of I can out of, as I can out of a car before we move on to the next car. And so we've had yeah. our cars for like 12 and 14 years or something. So they're kind of getting to the end of the road. And I'm I took a glance at car prices and I went, "Oh my goodness. I'm enjoying yeah. my zero payment, but it's I mean the prices just to get anything is uh insane right now. Way more than I've ever seen. I don't maybe, maybe I'm just no, new to the game no. on that one, but it feels like that took a jump recently as well. So Americans definitely feeling it everywhere, and I think if Democrats want to have a chance at hanging on to some seats in this midterm, they better start recognizing it. Polls are showing, obviously, that it's not adding up for them so far. So, all right, let's uh, head into our next story here. And Michigan lawmakers are pushing a bill addressing trans surgeries for kids. Oh, Trey, this has been such a big story. Um, Daily Wire, Matt Walsh have been pushing this and looking at these hospitals and shining a light on some of the things that are going on. And it's alarming to a lot of people. Uh, so what's happening in Michigan here? Yeah, so it, like you said, it's a it's an issue that I think over the last few years has, has really spread like wildfire and it's kind of reaching a, a boiling point culturally. So uh, a group of Republican state representatives in Michigan, uh, they've just introduced a bill to classify transgender procedures and surgeries on minors as first degree child abuse. Uh, so if it's approved, it would be illegal in the state to allow a child to undergo transition surgeries, to take uh, cross-sex hormones, or even to take puberty blockers, uh, according to the text of the bill. Uh, it also states that, quote, child abuse is in, in the first degree is a felony punishable by imprisonment for life or any term 
of years and the consequences of the legislation, uh, you know, obviously if it becomes law, uh, would apply, quote, to anyone knowingly or intentionally consenting to obtaining or assisting with a gender transition procedure for a child. So it's quite strong. Hmm. And so what are the lawmakers doing to sort of promote this? Um, and, and how is it being received? I mean, I know obviously there's going to be um, party lines on that, but what, what have the general response been and what are the lawmakers saying? Yeah, you know, the party line uh, dynamics there are pretty much what everybody <laughs> would expect. Right. One interesting thing, though, is is one of the, the five co-sponsors, five Republican co-sponsors said, I actually feel like the majority of Democrats, my Democratic colleagues, actually agree with the, legis- or with the words of this legislation, but said they probably won't support it. Uh, because it'll jeopardize their political futures. So I think that's interesting that he was, you know, willing to to say that. But yeah. one of the other uh, representatives, uh, Beau Lefebvre, he told the Hill that it's logically incoherent and even insane uh, to allow minors to undergo trans surgeries and take puberty blockers. He said the idea that we would be making potentially life-altering changes to 11, 12, 13, 14, 15-year-old kids when it's illegal for them to have sex is insane. He yeah. said, I mean, they're not responsible enough to smoke a cigarette until they're 21 years old. Mm. Uh, so strong words there. Is this thing going to hold up legally or are there hurdles? What are, what, um, what are we looking at on the legality front of this thing? Well, yeah, I think the interesting part as far as that goes is it's coming at the same time that there's a similar law from Arkansas uh, that's now just caught up in in a court hearing and that's just now getting underway. Uh, The Arkansas ban on trans surgeries for minors, it's been temporarily blocked. Uh, Initially, this is a a fascinating part of this story we covered way back when. Uh, Initially in 2021, when the bill was presented, Governor Asa Hutchinson vetoed the bill, if y'all remember, uh, but GOP lawmakers assessed essentially overturned. They overrode his rejection of it. They enacted it anyway. Uh, but then there was a stay forced on the bill uh, by uh, opponents who saw it as unconstitutional. So now it's finally going before uh, the court. Uh, Leslie Rutledge, she's the attorney general for Arkansas. She said that the law is just about, quote, protecting children. She said nothing about this law prohibits someone after the age of 18 for making this decision for themselves. What we're doing in Arkansas is protecting children from life-altering permanent decisions. So it seems like conservatives, Christians are pretty united on this front. And even some Democrats, they're just unwilling or uncomfortable to speak out on it. Hmm. Very interesting. And it seems I saw an interesting thread, guys. Love your take on this as well as your reaction to the story that Trey just laid out. But it feels like there's a dividing line that either these types of surgeries and this mutilation of the body in for, for some sort of trans end is either a moral good uh, and you get arrested for opposing it or it's morally bad and you get arrested for doing it. Um, so I, it feels like there is this dividing line that's inevitable. Like you you can't straddle the fence on this one. It, it doesn't seem like an issue that can go in that direction. You guys kind of get the same sense out of that? Yeah, I mean, it seems like there's not much wiggle room here. I mean, it's insane to me that it's gone this far, right? Because at the end of the day, if you're going to say, well, kids can't do this, 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 and that, but we're going to let them do this horrific thing that's life-altering forever, at some point you have to come back to, well, maybe we should just let them do all these things, or they can't do any of it. And obviously the right answer is they can't do any of it. Well, and to your point, Billy, I I think that is a problem, a slippery slope problem with consent, 
because if you start saying that they can choose this, then right. what else can they choose to your point? And then apply that to we're seeing drag queens dancing hyper-sexualized in front of kids. At what point does that consent thing kind of lose the age limit? Right. Mm -hmm. Well, I think several years ago, even before COVID, we started to see this attack on the nuclear family in particular. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think now it's making more sense to us, right? Because it's, well, kids should have their own autonomy. They should make whatever decisions they want to. We shouldn't have parents getting in the way and telling them they shouldn't do stuff. When obviously we're designed to have parents who raise us because we are immature. We can't make decisions. Yeah. But from the left, we've seen over the last several years, this assault on nuclear families. Like we need to break apart the family. Uh, your family is who you choose. And it's, you know, your chosen family members. And, and I, I think we're starting to see why that attack was coming. It's, it's making more sense now. Uh, but it, you know, it's pretty sinister uh, in retrospect. And then, the, then there's this weird dynamic of, okay, we, they want to, on the one hand, let kids own all these decisions at such a super young age. But then you have on the flip side of that spectrum, Hey, you should be able to stay on your parents' health insurance until you're 26. You know, so cool. so what is going on here? Are the are people wait. capable of their own decisions or not? Well, wait a minute. Wait. You can't pray on the 50-yard line because you're going to entice a child to do it with right. you, and that's a major problem. <laughs> oh, we got to protect them from prayer on right. the 50-yard line. I right. mean, this is like insane. It is. It is very insane, but uh again, I I think there are clear lines drawn on this issue. I don't think uh I don't think you're going to see this be a, a let a let be and let live type situation. I it's, I just don't see that happening, and so we'll continue to report on it uh, as as more developments happen, as more shoes drop on this, and you're just going to keep seeing this uh, week in and week out. I mean, just the libs of TikTok account alone, the the sheer volume of things that you see, that's what surprises me the most. I mean, you know, there's some loons out there on some of these things, but the sheer volume of it is what's really shocking to me so um all right trey thanks for that one uh that leads us into our main thing for today and in a candid discussion our own trey Gones phillips uh talked to former ncis star lucas black and he pulled back the curtain on what he sees as a clear agenda of attack against christians in hollywood and that's the subject of today's main thing without a doubt christians are pretty skeptical of hollywood that's probably a bit of an understatement right well, whether it's advancing sexualities that are contrary to scripture, celebrating violence and vengeance, or especially around this time of year, pushing dark and sinister themes like witchcraft, there's plenty to criticize in the entertainment world. Lucas Black, a former star of NCIS New Orleans, recently spoke with us about what he sees as a clear agenda of attack in Hollywood, an agenda of attack specifically against Christians. And that's where we'll pick up the conversation. What is it like when you're you're in Hollywood, you're in the, the entertainment industry, uh, you're making NCIS? Uh, you know, so many people say that, that Hollywood is so hostile toward Christianity and toward faith. What has your experience like been with that? How have you stayed true to your convictions at being in an industry that's so secular? Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, you know, I think for, for um, most of my career, everyone is really respectful uh, and has been respectful of my faith um, in, in most all the projects I've been a part of, which is, um, which is good. I, I, I feel like um, 
if there has been any sort of attack, it's kind of it's kind of done in secret, um, you know. Um, but I will say that uh, you know most people respect that I've had fa- you know that my respect me and my faith, and uh, I've even had comments where people said they wish they had. Uh, strong faith, you know, and and they've come to me and asked me questions about it. So, um, so it's been great, you know. Um, as far as content is concerned, you know, I've always tried to, I, w- I won't say always, but what I like to look for in characters and stories is, um, you know, those redemptive qualities, hmm. right? So, if I'm doing a secular project, I'm still looking how, um you know, God is involved, uh, in the story, just yeah. in the sense of, uh, his natural law. And then also if they're, if someone does something that, um, they shouldn't do, or if it's a sin in the character's life, a flaw, you know, are there consequences that happens to that character? And, um, and does he basically repent or turn around and change his ways? Um, and so that's kind of that redemptive quality in the story I look at, um, you know, so um, NCIS New Orleans, I think, was kind of the biggest eye opener for me uh, in the sense of, you know, the Holy Spirit was nudging me to speak up uh, at some of the things that were uh, trying to be implemented on the show um, to really um you know, fight for what is true. Some of those Hollywood agendas that the attack on the family or attack on, let's say, law enforcement, because our show is about law enforcement, um, to really to really step up and, um, you know, try to be a voice to really fight against that agenda and really just talk about it, you know, speak the truth in love. And uh, I learned a lot. You know, I learned a lot. I learned a lot about... Um, you know, people's hearts and where they were, where they, you know, what it, what the agenda was coming from. Um, and so that was quite an experience for me. And how was that? How was that received when you would stand up for, for your values? Uh, how was that received by other cast members, uh, you know, cr- crew on NCIS? What was the you know response to, to those instances? Yeah, well, I think uh, as a whole, you know, most most of them respected it. Hmm. Um, now there are some that, um, and you're probably maybe one of the first ones I've I've told this in an interview, but um, there's a definite agenda to attack uh, some of my beliefs. You know, and some of your beliefs as a Christian. Um, so. That's what I'm saying. Like I learned a lot about people's hearts and where they were come from. Um, yeah. You know, the Apostle Paul talks about like the Gentiles. You know, the Jews were trying to hold them to a different standard, and he says, "Hey, you got to be understanding. They they don't know, um, you know, God's law like you do. Um, so we got to be understanding and patient. Um, and sometimes I I experienced that." And then there were other times where I experienced they knew exactly uh, the kind of, you know, biblical worldview I had and values and where it was coming from. And they some people are against it, you know, that are in Hollywood. There might be some writers or there might be some uh, 
directors. Um, so, so, you know, that's where it's tough. Lucas had plenty more to say about his experience on the set of NCIS New Orleans, as well as what he's doing now in the faith-based entertainment industry. You can listen to our full, unedited conversation with Lucas over on our other show, The Prodigal Stories Podcast. It streams wherever you get your podcasts and debuts new episodes weekly. All right, Trey, thanks so much for that conversation. And that leads us here into our one last thing. And we're going to head over to Hebrews 1, verse 10. And you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment, like a robe. You will roll them up like a garment. They will be changed, but you are the same, and your years will have no end. So I just like that as a reminder. That was in my daily reading yesterday. And I just like seeing the eternal nature of Christ um, and just the unchanging nature of Christ as well. Yeah, it's comforting to know in a world that is fleeting and changing and moving and oppressive in so many ways that there's a constant, right? And it's easy to forget that God is that constant. And so those scriptures that remind us of that, for me, bring great comfort. Mm. Yeah. Well, and it's also comforting to know that God is not going to change, that what was true 4,000 years ago is true today, uh, because especially living in such a relativistic world, right, where everything is my truth and your truth. Well, how about the truth? And that's what scripture gives us. Uh, And I know that's that's cheesy, but it's such a good thing to remember, right, that that whatever God says is going to be true, no matter what changes in your Mm -hmm. life or what challenges you. Yeah. Absolutely. And you're right. In a, in, a, in a time now where people are challenging very basic truths, as we often talk about on this podcast. All right. Well, that's where we're going to leave it for today. As always, head on over to CBNnews.com, FaithWire.com for more news from a Christian perspective. If you haven't already, subscribe to this podcast. Leave a rating. Do us a solid there and leave a good one, not a bad one. I mean, if you, if you want to leave a bad one, you can. I'm not going to stop you, but Anyway, Lord willing, and that Greek don't rise, we'll be back here tomorrow. God bless.